important portion of, of the scripture tonight. Uh, it's going to be in the book of John. We're going to look at uh, chapter 19, and we're going to read verse 28. So John 19 and verse 28, and you give me an amen when you're there. Amen. Well, later, knowing that everything had been finished, and so that Scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. So let's pray. Father, we come tonight in Jesus' name. And I'm asking tonight, Father, that you would give everyone here spiritual eyes to see. But God, give us spiritual ears to hear. But God, give us a heart that is so spiritual and so large to receive that there is no way that we could leave this building tonight without being changed by hearing and seeing and receiving the Word of God. Father, we love you. And now, Father, speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Y'all may be seated. You know, when you talk about thirst, thirst cannot be instantly satisfied. You can eat, and all of a sudden you can go, I'm, I'm full. But sometimes when you're thirsty, you can drink and you can drink, and it just doesn't seem like you get that thirst quenched. See, thirst is critical to our survival. Water is the most important element that you and I have in our bodies. One of the things scientifically that they say about water is that water is a nutrient. Water is something that our body has to have. Now, we're made up of 60% water. And maintaining proper hydration is a major function of the brain. And see, thirst is our brain's way of trying to tell us that the fluid level in our bodies are unbalanced. And it is important for us to pay attention when things begin to go awry. See, the world has become a glutton. They're hungry for the things of this world. But when a person's interest is on the gluttony of the world, they will always live their lives with a thirst that cannot be filled. Well, here's one of the things that I pulled from this, and what is Satan's task? Well, we know that Satan's task is threefold. It's to steal from us. It's to kill us. It is to destroy us. Now, Satan wants, especially this week, it's a holy week, you have been saturated with the Word of God. And what Satan wants to happen is for you to be so distracted when you leave this building in the days to come that you have forgotten everything that you have heard in this building. 
See, here's the method that Satan deals with you and me. See, the idea is Satan wants us to be unbalanced. Satan wants to create in you and me a spiritual vertigo. Now, I don't know if you've ever had vertigo, but I'm telling you, if you have, you ain't no good to yourself, and you sure ain't no good to anybody else. The only thing you can do is lay down and get real tight with God to go, God, you got to help me because I can't go no more of this. Now, see, the challenge is, is that God gave us examples throughout Scripture. We know that Satan came and Satan tempted Jesus. He said, let me tell you something. You've been in this desert for 40 days. A lot of y'all been walking in the desert for years. But on this day, Satan tempted Jesus and he said, I know you're hungry. So why don't you take the stones and why don't you turn them to bread? And Jesus came back with the statement. He said, "Uh uh-uh, man does not live by bread alone. And then Satan goes, well, if I can't get him that way, How about you climb up here with me? See, Satan wants us to climb with him. But the climb with Satan is short-filled because the only place when you get high with Satan is back down to the bottom. So Jesus goes up to the top and Satan says, throw yourself down. Jesus said, no, do not test the Lord your God. And then he goes, well, let's go just a little bit higher because, you know, if Satan can't get you one way, he'll try to get you another way. So he'll try to take you to a fake place of highness. And then he says, I want you to look out upon what you see there. I want you to see the splendor and the glory of my world. Well, that ought to have been the first clue because ain't nothing belonged to the man. Okay, but he said, I want you to look at it, and if you worship me, you can have it all. Jesus said, let me tell you something, Satan. I will only worship the Lord my God. How did Satan fail in regards to tempting Jesus, and it was the fact that Jesus was balanced? Jesus had two things that everybody in this room needs. First of all, he had the Holy Spirit. Because when you and I begin to lean a little bit, it's the Holy Spirit that props us back up. When we lean the other way, it's the Word of God that we speak props us back up. And he had those two things. Now what's important for us is, is that the fifth saying of Jesus was an expression of a need, not a want. See, he didn't want thirst. He didn't want to quench his thirst. He needed to quench his thirst. See, to thirst means to yearn. And it's like a person going out in the wilderness and he's been there for days 
and he's got no water. And you're parched and you're tired and you're scared and you're alone and you got nothing. And then all of a sudden you begin to look to go, water's not a want in my life. It's a need in my life. Now Jesus' fifth saying, I am thirsty, provides a lot of interpretations. Some people would look at it and say, well, this is just a conjecture. Some would say it's a supposition. I think other people would say it's a phrase that would be unable to interpret. And I know that you go to the seminary, a lot of you in this room today, but I want you to hear this, that there is nothing in the Word of God that you are taught that happens by happenstance. There is nothing in this book where God speaks, nothing in this book where God does, nothing in this book where God provides an example that has happened by happenstance. If you look with spiritual eyes, you're going to see a piece of golden thread that is woven through the scripture from the top to the bottom, and it pulls it all together for one reason, to show us an example. See, Jesus' statement could have been, candidly, an expression of, I'm just thirsty. Now, now here's a man that had been beaten. You know, the sister said a minute ago, he was spat upon. And he was slapped around. And then they flogged him. And if you know, and if you've looked at Doc's Facebook page, it shows you what what crucifixion and what flogging was, but it rips your body and all of the nutrients that were in that body had been ripped away. Satan wants to flog you every day of your life and he wants to rip the skin away so that all of the water, all of the nutrients inside your body are going to fall away. And then you're going to be out there and you're parched and you need thirst and you got none. So here's what I want us to do tonight. I, I want us briefly just to look through spiritual eyes. Cut your natural eyes off today. Turn the battery off. Turn the battery on on the spiritual eyes. And I want you to see something. Jesus always used water as an example in scripture. He was baptized in water. First miracle that he performed was turning water into wine. When he came out of the water, the Holy Spirit descended upon him. When he filled up the jars of water, there were six of them. He wanted the people to understand about his death, his burial, and his resurrection. But what he wanted the people to see, they're missing one jar. But he was the jar. See, it was his body, it was his fluid, it was his blood that was going to change the whole process of society. His spirit... The scripture says 
No one can enter the kingdom of God unless you were born of water and of the spirit. And what's interesting in the story, water is the first order of creation and it is the last request of our Savior. There's something about water and the fact that we should thirst for water. Jesus speaks to the woman at the well and he told her that those who thirst after physical water you're going to keep on thirsting all the days of your life. You can go over there and get a thirst or get a drink and you'll drink it, but five minutes later you want to go back and you want to drink it again, and a few minutes later you want to go back and you want to drink it again. But Jesus wanted the woman to know if you would begin to, to drink of the spiritual water, the spiritual water will quench your thirst, and it's the spiritual water that will take you places that you can't go in the physical realm. At the pool of Bethesda, there was a man that was there. He was lame for 40 years. He was lying next to what? He was lying next to the water. And the belief had it on those days that the first one that got in the water was the one that was going to be healed. Well, if the Bible doesn't tell us things by happenstance, then there's an issue, there's a, a picture that God wants us to see about the water and, and the healing capacities and, and all of the, the promises of that, what that water can do for you and me. Scripture tells us that Jesus walked on the water. Jesus tells us that that he commanded the water to be still. On the last day of the Feast of the Tabernacles, when they all sat down and Jesus looked at the people in his little group right there, he knew the attitudes of the people. But he took water and he washed their feet with water because he wanted them to see that water was a, 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 a picture of what we need to have in our life. Everybody here in this room, you know, it's okay to walk on people's feet, but how many people in this room tonight would be willing to go wash another person's foot? See, if you want to wash somebody's feet, that means you got to humble yourself. That means you got to get down on your knees to wash somebody's feet. It's easy to stand tall and walk on somebody's feet, but God says, I want you to take the water and I want you to humble yourself and I want you to be a servant to my people. The other thing that I think is most important in the midst of this, he says, whoever believes in me, rivers of living water will flow within them. See, if you look at the Christian world today, there are no more rivers flowing from the churches today. There might be a little, a little stream of water. There might be a little trickle of water. There might be a puddle of water that you got to step around. There ain't no more streams in our churches today because people will not humble themselves and pray and seek God's face for what Christ died to give. 
As much as Jesus made reference to water, I thought, you know, there, there just might be some slim chance that water is significant to us in what he wants us to see. On the very night he was betrayed, he took water. And again, the water is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. On the cross, Jesus knowing that everything was finished, he said the words, I'm thirsty. See, Jesus knew he had done everything that the Father had sent him to do. He knew that he was fulfilling what the psalmist had already wrote about. In Psalms 42, said, As the deer pants for the water's brook, so my soul pants for you. Psalm 63, Oh God, you are my God. And I shall seek you earnestly. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you. And then in Psalms 143, he says, I remember the days of old. See, a lot of y'all have been Christian for a long time. And what's most helpful for us is to go back to the past and remember when your soul yearned for the Lord, when the rivers were flowing through you. But the Bible says, remember the days of old. Oh, I meditate on all of your doings. I muse on the work of your hands. Oh, I stretch out my hands to you. And my soul longs for you as a parched land. Now, church, listen. Ultimately, he who created the water, he who turned water into wine, he who offered water as a source of life, he who used water as a symbol of the Holy Spirit, he, the son of the most living God, Jesus Christ is on the cross and Jesus Christ makes those words, I am thirsty. Now, church, you got to ask yourself the question, why? Here is the God of God. This is the King of kings. This is the Lord of all lords. And we have a God, but yet we know that he's man. But we have a God who is on the cross, and he says, I'm thirsty. Well, Jesus had just drank the cup of God's wrath. Jesus tells us that the woman at the well that the Holy Spirit was the living water. Again, in the first miracle where Jesus tells the people, go out and fill up those jars. See, he didn't tell them just to go fill them up. He said, fill them up to the brim. And what I want you to understand tonight is the God that we have worshipped all week long is not a God of just enough. We've got a God that is a God of more than enough. we got a God that can meet every need that you have in your life. Now the key 
is to ask and answer the question, why did God say on the cross or Jesus that I thirst? See, could it be, could it be that his own Holy Spirit could not be with him in his earthly form because he became sin for all of us in this room. See, it, it, it's easy to, 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 to talk about him. It's easy to sing about him. It's, it's easy to praise him. But it's not so easy when someone says, you're the one, along with me, who put the nails in his hands. And every time we sin, we put another nail in his hands. And now Jesus is on the cross. And if you and I would humble ourselves and kneel below the cross and look up at the Savior of the world, and watch him say, Keith, I'm thirsty. Derek, I'm thirsty. Oh, church, I'm, I'm thirsty. You got to ask yourself, why? What, what's the reasoning behind this? Well, he expressed that he was forsaken by his God. But church, what we don't hear is that he cried out. And the Bible says that he cried out the words, it is finished. And that's all we hear. But then what you'll hear is it is finished and he gave up his spirit. See, the reason why he thirst is that he was separated from his own spirit. He's not physically thirsty. That's not the issue. But the key here is, is that he was separated from the Holy Spirit. And he goes, I never, oh God, I never want to be separated. I never want to thirst again. See, he was not just stating a need. Or a want, he's, he's stating a need in his life. See, the Holy Spirit was his lifeline. Now, I'm going to step on your toes and you give me three minutes to do it and I'm done. This world has gone to hell and a handbasket. We live in a world today where Democrats are against Republicans. We live in a world where blacks are against whites. We live in a world where the police are against the public and the public are against the police. We live in a world where the old is against the young and the young is against the old. We live in a world where the liberals are against the conservatives and the conservatives are against the liberal. And I got to say this. We live in a world where stupidity is totally against common sense. And I got to tell you, this is not, 
what Christ died to give you and me. Today's Christian has given up the spirit. Now they might go, no, 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 you have given up the spirit. Because if we had the Holy Spirit, it wouldn't make any difference what color we were. We would act the way that God wanted us to act. The world lives today with an entitlement mentality. The Lord goes, it's not about, it, I mean, I, it, it, it's just not about. It ain't about what, what I'm going to give. It's all about what I'm going to get. Well, aren't we glad that the Lord didn't make that comment on the cross about what y'all going to give me before I die for you? No, he didn't say that. He said, Father, forgive them because they have no clue what they're doing. People come to church today like you go to Luby's restaurant. I'll get a little broccoli over here, but I ain't eating that cauliflower. Mm -mm. And them collard greens, I, no, I ain't going for that either, man. Liver, uh-uh, don't want none of that. But see, we go on the word to go, I'm okay with this. Uh-uh, I ain't okay with that. No, I ain't even going to practice that, but no, I ain't going to do that. Well, I got to tell you here in the midst of this, God didn't ask you if you're going to choose. God said either you be hot or you be cold. God says if you lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. And what God is looking for today is a group of men and women who are serious about what they're doing. Here's the biggest problem where we're at today. When Jesus was on the cross, God forsook him. But you see, God hasn't forsaken us. We are the ones that have forsaken God. I challenge you to go anywhere in this city tomorrow. And you will see a group of people who are parched. You will see a group of people who have been wandering in the desert far too long. People who have become so unbalanced and so unstable that the world is self-destructing right in front of their eyes. Let me read this little statement to you. There was a guy by the name of Giuseppe Garibaldi, an Italian soldier, lived in the 1800s. His father dreamed of his entering the priesthood, but Gillespie had dreams of being a sailor. The Navy was the way he wanted to go. His leadership abilities caused him to rise quickly in the ranks, and in time he amassed a powerful volunteer army. The army also incredibly committed to the cause. Garibaldi appealed for volunteers with these words. I offer neither pay nor quarters nor provisions, but what I offer you is hunger and thirst, forced marches, battles, and death. And then he says, let him who loves the country with his heart and not with his lips only follow me. Jesus' last words, folks, I thirst 
was an admonishment to you and me. And that admonishment was this, never allow yourself to be separated from the Holy Spirit. Because when you do, you will be unbalanced. You will live with spiritual vertigo. And you will wander the rest of your life looking for something that you already have. And that's the Holy Spirit who stands with us. Amen. Amen.